Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I don't like to talk um, too much about my sermon preparations and uh, my experiences with, you know, working through this, but I want to make an exception here today because when I put out there this past week that I was going to be talking about this preaching on this subject, when Christians don't act like Christians and, and how do we deal with the deep disappointment that comes with that, I had people responding to me. I had people sending me messages talking about what they've experienced in life and how they've overcome it or how they're still struggling to overcome it. And uh, so apparently this is a significant thing for us to consider today. Uh, and, and how many of you would say at some point in your life you have experienced hurt of some kind because some Christian didn't act like a Christian? Right? Pretty much all of us. We've been there. And, and what can happen, and this is actually, I've had some conversations with some of you uh, in, in recent months about some things that, that your young people are struggling with. When they see people who are Christians and they would look to Christians and maybe look up to as Christians, all of a sudden doing things or saying things or whatever that seem very unchristian to them. And these young people are going, wait a minute, what's up with this? And do I want to be a part of this? Right? If this is Christianity, do I mean, and actually looking at their faith and saying, hey, am I going with this or not? I mean, that's a big deal, isn't it? Even in the news, you know, just this last week, different places at times, people who, uh, someone you probably wouldn't know that I know, a pastor who has been accused of something. I don't know if it's true or not. But that's always heartbreaking, isn't it? And then others in the news, the, you know, just... It's something that we have to come to grips with and know how do we go forward so that the deep disappointment that we feel doesn't begin to erode our faith. And at, at best, leave us in neutral. And at worst, walking away. So what I want to talk to you about today is that when Christians don't act like Christians, we want to understand what that's about, what's going on there, but I really want you to uh, think, how can my faith survive this? Is there a way that my faith can survive this? Again, so I don't just go in a neutral, you know, and certainly so I don't walk away or people I love don't walk away. All right, so there's five things we're going to look at today that will enable you to survive it that your faith can come out on the other end, not eroded, but strong, and you're able to go forward. So let's talk about those things. The first thing that you need to understand is that you are not alone. You're not alone in this. See, because if you are alone, you are isolated, you are in trouble, you can be picked off, you have no way to get any help. Okay, but understand this, you are not alone in this. You think about it, Cain and Abel, the very first family in the world. Cain kills his brother over jealousy 
about things. So the first family, this kind of stuff has happened. Uh, Job and his friends. Job is probably the first book that was actually written down in the Bible. And, and in that story, we see that Job had things happen to him that he, he was not responsible for. He had not done terrible things. And his friends and came and sat down with him and said, uh-huh, you know you did something wrong. What is it? And you're, if you're already devastated and then your friends come and say, it's your fault. I mean, right? How do you deal with that kind of stuff? Joseph and his brothers. His brothers, remember, sold him into slavery. They were so jealous of him, you know? And so he was betrayed by his family. He found himself being falsely accused at the new place he was and then forgotten until God finally carried out the big picture. But he, he experienced all of that, the betrayal of trust. Jesus and his disciples. John 13, we read the story of uh, Judas heading out to betray him. Betrayed by one of his disciples. Denied by one of his main disciples, Peter. Uh, he knows what this is like. And then Paul and his co-laborers. We get to the end of 1 Timothy. And he says, well, this person's gone. That person's gone. This one loved the world and is gone. And he said, when I first stood in my trial, nobody was there for me. I was there alone except for the Lord. He, he was there for me. And so Paul has experienced this. And we could probably go back to the scripture and find more. And we could start going through here and interviewing you and talking to you and here. But you are not alone, okay? We're in this together. And that means there's hope, Okay? So understand that when you experience this or you see it, you observe it. And let me say, this is, um, there's probably three categories of us here today and, and overlap between them. But the first one is when you are the target. You are the one who has been hurt by someone who at least claims to be a Christian. You know, maybe things that they've said to you, things they've said about you. It might be things that they actually did to you. So there could be soul damage. There could be physical harm that was done to you. Uh, financial harm, reputation, just whatever, where you have been done wrong, whether it's now or in your childhood growing up, but someone who you thought was a Christian didn't act like they were a Christian with you. Okay, you've been hit directly by it. The, the next group would be those of us who um, have been hurt indirectly by association. And what that means is like, You've, you've been in a church family where somebody or more than one somebody didn't act like Christians. And because of that, the church is in turmoil and people are struggling, hurt, and you've been hurt. Even though it wasn't done directly to you, you're experiencing all that. It could be in an organization you're part of. It could be in your extended family, okay, but where you've been hurt indirectly. <clears throat> and then there's that hurt that comes, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when you've been hurt indirectly by observation. In other words, you have watched, you've seen somebody who claimed to be a Christian do bad things, say bad things, not act like a Christian. And some of the, some of the responses I got were like, yes, how people have struggled when they've observed something, something that somebody did, something that they said, an attitude that they had, and concerned of, oh my, how's that going to affect the people around them who need to know Jesus? I mean, so it's that kind of thing. So those are the three, and we probably overlap some of those things. But you're not alone. We've all experienced those things, okay? Uh, second thing you understand is this, that God cares. He really does care. 
You find yourself in the middle of it, you know, it seems like this just goes on and nothing gets fixed or whatever. But God does care. Psalm 34, it says that God is near to those who have a broken heart. So when you find yourself with a broken heart, God is near. He's there. He cares. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus talks about the reason he came. He says that about his father, he says, he has sent me to heal the what? The broken hearted, the very first thing. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, those who are being hurt, those who are being held down. Okay, God cares. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. And I can say to you that that's, that's what you need. When you find yourself going through these situations where Christians not acting like Christians, especially when it blows up into something really big, right, and you're having to live with it, whether it's happened to you or you're in the middle of a group that it's happening to, and, and it exhausts you. And it's, it's interesting because the real exhaustion is in your soul. The, the trying to figure that out, trying to respond, trying to be faithful, trying to remain loving, trying all of these kinds of things. And, and you know, you're crying out to God and, and, and you find this exhaustion in your soul. And boy, let me tell you, when your, your soul gets exhausted, all of a sudden your body feels really, really tired. I remember a time here many, many years ago when we were struggling through something. And I remember sitting in, in the office that I had at the time, the, the foyer was still with offices, and I remember sitting there and just feeling like I was exhausted all the way through every part. But God cares, and he offers rest. He offers a way out of living there. We don't have to live there. It may happen to us, but we don't have to stay there with the Lord, okay? We come to him. He will give us rest. And then Peter says this. We know this, but he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. When this is all happening, just humble yourself that he may exalt you in due time. He'll bring you back up. And what do you need to do? Casting all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Now, you still got to deal with it. <laughs> But so here's what I want you to get. I want you to remember. So first of all, you're not alone. Secondly, God cares. And what that means is you need to always turn toward Jesus. Capital letters, always, always, always turn toward Jesus. When you find yourself hurt, when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself overwhelmed, and it's easy to do, all of a sudden we ought to be like a little light. Bing, wait a minute. I need to turn toward Jesus here. Not away. I need to turn toward him. If you want your faith to survive that deep disappointment, you need to always turn to Jesus. And when you find that you aren't, you need to turn to Jesus. Okay? All right. Now, here's the question. This is the question that gets asked. I know it gets asked by young people for sure, but it could be asked by adults as well. And that's said, wait a minute, okay, so I, I, I get you're saying I'm not alone. I understand that you say God cares. Yeah, I hear that all the time. And this is what somebody actually said to me, communicated to me, is that they have start, started feeling like, well, wait a minute. Is that really true? Or is that just kind of lies we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better? 
And if it isn't really true, what does that mean about everything else, you know? Big question. And thankfully, this person who shared this with me found their way with the Lord. I was witnessing to a Muslim man a, a, a number of years ago, and we were having a conversation, and he was talking about Christianity, and he talked about how so many Christians didn't live like Christians. That wasn't exactly his wording, but that was what he was saying. They failed to live. So he said, something must be defective in Christianity. See, Christianity isn't really true, or people would be faithful and consistent and live by it if it was really, you know, there's no power in it or, or whatever. And he was right about his description of what was going on. He was right, wrong about his conclusions about, you know, why that was. But let me say to you today, and this is something that I think will be helpful to you. We need to understand that there is something defective about Christianity as we know it. There is something defective. And what's defective is me and you. It's us, isn't it? Okay, because we aren't perfect. We, we have failings. We have struggles with sin. We have all that kind of stuff. All right, that we deal with. So there is something defective about it, but that's all part of the big picture. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? If I had it all together perfectly, I don't need him. Neither do you, but we do need him. You know, in case I forget, just let me say that when we see Christians not acting like Christians, rather than saying, oh no, maybe it isn't true, we ought to say, wow, that proves it's true. Because <laughs> what's it prove? That people need a savior. People need forgiveness. They need help to learn to live right. Okay, so that's it. But so here's the third thing that I want you to understand that's going to help you to be able to weather the deep disappointment that comes with it. And that is that the truth will set you free. Really. It really will. Truth will set you free. And we're not going to look at the passage this week. We looked, about, uh, looked at it last week or talked about it. I don't remember. But Jesus says, hey, if, if you continue in my word, and as you do the things that I say, you live the way I'm telling you to live, he says, um, then you're really my disciples. You're disciples. You're living like disciples. And he said, and what's going to happen is you're going to know the truth in a way that sets you free. Set you free. So what I want us to do here is just look at a couple of truths that can help to set us free rather than being all bound up when Christians aren't acting like Christians and the hurt and pain that comes with that. And the first truth is this. It's, it, it's, this isn't actually a statement of the truth, but it's uh, a decision related to the truth. And that's this. Don't be surprised when Christians mess up by sinning. Be saddened. Yes. Surprised? No. I mean, let's face it, if we have somebody that we really look up to, and you know, and we have followed them in their lives, and not, not in a wrong way, yes, we do find ourselves something, what? You hear something, is something true, right? How could that be? We are surprised initially, but we ought to say, wait a minute, that shouldn't surprise me. Because here's the deal. How far do you need to look in order to realize the truth that we shouldn't be surprised when Christians sin? How far do you need to look? Right here. That's right. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5. Or 1 John chapter 1, excuse me. 1 John chapter 1, page, what is that, page 1398 in the Bibles that are in the chairs there, if you don't have a Bible with you today. 
Verse number five. John says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Okay, we get that. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So by the way, verse number six is what, what makes us you know, so quick to react when Christians don't act like Christians because wait a minute, this doesn't match. Okay, uh, verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we do what? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yeah, we have sin. We see sins, we too have sin. If we confess our sins, what a wonderful promise. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I mean, so we can't hold ourselves out to be some, you know, oh, I can't believe you sinned. Well, believe it, because <laughs> you have, okay? Shouldn't surprise us so much. Um, and again, be saddened, yes. And this is not to write off and say, ah, no big deal. Yeah, we Christians, we sin. I'm a Christian, I sin. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about making light of that at all. What we're saying is that we ought to understand that when people sin, even Christians sin, all that's doing is reminding us of the truth about us. So in Psalms, it says, God knows our frame that we are made of dirt, <laughs> right? I mean, we are, have, we're affected by the sin nature. And I want you to think about this as well. When we see people sin in big time ways, right? Christians, maybe someone we know, maybe it's someone in the news, whatever. When we see that, I, I want you to think about this. You know, it, that hits us and it hits me. I, I don't know about you, it does me. Like, oh no, not again. Uh, but what's interesting to me is, is we don't get a report every day on, in our country, let's say 100 million Christians today did not do anything terrible. A few did. <laughs> right? And that's the reality, okay? And, and so we, we just can't let this idea that the Christian sinning somehow or other undermines our faith. It doesn't. It actually demonstrates the reality of what we believe about human nature and needing a savior. Second thing in this area of truth is that biblical Christianity is not at risk. Biblical Christianity is not at risk. We talked about truth last week, remember? Okay, and this is why when you get this and understand this truth, it sets you free from being con controlled and so overwhelmed you can't go on, all right? So let's just remind ourselves of, of these things that are very, very clear, truth. First is that God exists, okay? God exists and we can know it. Turn to Romans chapter one. That's page 1294. We actually looked at these verses last week. I just wanna remind you of them again this week. In verse 18, it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It isn't that the truth isn't there. It isn't that the truth can't be known. It's that they, we as human beings have a tendency, we don't want to know some of that stuff. We, we don't want to have to deal with that. And so we push back on it. 
He says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. God has made us in such a way that the only thing that when we really look at it logically that makes sense is there has to be a God. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We can absolutely know that God exists and we can know it. Well, what if somebody doesn't believe that? Does it change it? No. It's true what? Whether or not anybody believes it or not. It's true, okay? Second thing, God is worth seeking. Hebrews says that. You know, you've got to have faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is worth knowing. Now, Part of the way he came to, so that we could know him is he became a man. The Son of God became a human being so that people could set eyes on him and see what would God be like if he were human. How can we understand what God is like? And so Jesus came to earth. Now, remember, what is our faith based on? Is, is my faith based on the fact that I have chosen to believe it? Is, 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 I didn't quite ask that right. That's confusing, even to me. Is Christianity true because I have chosen to believe it? Is it true because you have chosen to believe it? No. It's true because Jesus said, hey, I'm going to rise, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise from the dead. Getting the dying part's easy, the rising from the dead part, really hard. Okay? And he did it. He rose from the dead. And we have historical documents. Uh, we have eyewitness testimony. We have... Uh, testimony even from outside of the Bible. The, all these things are supported. That uh, if we just apply the, uh, the regular historical test for determining whether or not something happened, the resurrection is far and away the best attested event in ancient history. If you say, oh, we can't count on the resurrection having happened, then you've got to throw out all ancient history. Okay? Jesus did rise from the dead, just as he said, and because he did, we get everything else that goes along with that. All the things that he said, all the things that he taught, the scriptures, because of how he talked about this, and on and on it goes. We get Christianity. And so understand that, uh, yeah, go ahead and go to that slide if you would there. The next one, Jesus did predict his resurrection, and he rose. And so this is, this is truth. And it doesn't depend on whether or not I believe it or not. It doesn't depend on whether you believe it or not. It doesn't depend on whether a Christian acts like a Christian or not. Okay? So, well, here's the deal. Truth is the deciding factor, not the sinful choices of flawed human beings. How do we know if Christianity is true? Well, it's because of truth. We can look at truth and, and look at the, the facts and reach those conclusions. It's true. We can absolutely count on it, and then we can put our faith in it and live by it. It's not true because of whether a Christian lives like a Christian or not. This is really important because here's the thing. When somebody lets me down, Okay? They haven't acted like a Christian. They haven't lived consistently the way I thought Christian was supposed to live. And they haven't lived consistently as a Christian, the kind of Christian I thought they were. All these kinds of things. And I can feel deeply disappointed. I can feel hurt and difficulty. But then all I have to do is I have to say, well, wait a minute. Here's what's true. Jesus is who he said he is. 
The word of God really is. I mean, all these things have not changed because of what this person has done or not done. See what I mean? That's why it's important. I taught last week, we got to nail down that we love the truth. We live by the truth. Okay, so truth is the deciding factor, not the sinful choices of flawed human beings. Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And here the Apostle Paul is talking about the Jewish people and how they have um, struggled. Like, wait a minute, didn't God say we were the chosen ones? What's going on with the Gentiles and, and Jesus and all that kind of stuff? And they didn't... They didn't believe many of them. Verse 3, Paul says, For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? He's saying, right, if somebody doesn't believe, and we could say if a Christian doesn't act like a Christian, does that change what God has said is true? Does that change how God works in our world? No. And then he's verse 4, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. Let's just look at a couple other translations of this. The New Living Translation says it like this. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. So here's the situation. When that Christian does not live like a Christian and they, they hurt you or they hurt others, and it is so disappointing, you know, and you are just devastated. Does the fact that they were unfaithful mean that God will be unfaithful? Certainly not, right? God is still faithful. The truth is still true. Now, there's another, you can't even really call it a translation, they call it a translation, but it's called the message, all right? And what it is, is it's a very godly man who sat down scripture and, and tried to paraphrase and say, if you know, how would he say this in, in a way that connects? And it's, it's really interesting here. I think he catches the, uh, the idea here. So let's go to the message. He says, do you think their faithfulness cancels out his faithfulness? Not on your life. Depend on it. God keeps his word even when the whole world is lying through its teeth. <laughs> okay. So understand this. The truth will set you free. Really. Because biblical Christianity is not at risk. So when some, a Christian doesn't act like a Christian, that has zero impact on the truthfulness of the gospel, of Jesus, the word, any of that, okay? And so you see how this sets us free from being controlled. I'm not, gonna be, I'm not controlled by this. I'm controlled by the truth. That's what I'm going to build my life on. All right, fourth thing, don't be that person. Don't be that person, right? Or however you say it, don't be that person. Don't be that person, okay? Uh, because the idea is you're going to see if you become that person, then you're no better off than that person. All right. So we're talking about two kinds of people here that you don't want to be. And the first one is don't be the one who drags Christianity through the mud. That's what we're talking about, Christians, right, who don't live like Christians. That means you and I, each and every day, need to challenge ourselves and think, and look, what am I doing? How am I living? I don't want to be that Christian who drags Christianity through the mud because of my actions, my words, my attitudes, whatever. And so let me say to you just about this, because we live in times when we have a, we're surrounded by many people in our culture who have rejected the concept of truth, right? Who want to say true for you, not for me, but really what's true for me, I'm going to make be true for you. Uh, it's that kind of approach, right? All the, and, and it's just, it's so illogical and it, it leads to, to 
It leads to stupid conclusions, uh, all this kind of stuff. And it is easy to get frustrated with that. Anybody, anybody besides me ever get frustrated with that? What you're hearing from people around you or you're hearing online or reading, I mean, it's like, what? And we take a big breath and or we don't hit the button. <laughs> let, me, let me compare this to you, to a gun. There are rules for gun safety. You ever get in, you take a class on guns, you're going to get rules of gun safety. Here's two of the rules. And one of them is this, never point a gun at anything you don't intend to destroy. Now actually, when, when I learned it was don't point a gun at anything you don't want to shoot. But this version kind of catches the idea, right? Never point a gun at anything you don't intend to destroy. Do your words have the power to destroy? Whether you speak them or write them, your words have the power to create destruction. Don't be that person. The Bible tells us that our speech should always be edifying. Even if it's a hard truth, it should be building people up. Okay? And the second thing, always be sure of your target and what's beyond it. And here's the deal. You might be saying something to one person, but how many other people are going to hear and see and be hit by it? That's that whole third category we talked about today. You feel hurt and overwhelmed because of what you have observed happening. So let's don't be that person. Second thing is this though, we don't want to be that person, the one who drags Christianity through the mud by harshly judging those who drag Christianity through the mud. Don't be that person to where when you see someone acting, not acting like a Christian, you don't act like a Christian in dealing with it. Okay, we don't wanna do that. We need to demonstrate what we believe. Uh, James talks about this. He says, do not speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. There's one lawgiver. Who are you to judge another? And so we don't want to become harsh and judgmental. Now, I'm choosing that word on purpose. Don't become judgmental. Does that mean we don't make judgments? No, we have to make judgments. Jesus talked about that in John chapter 7. He said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And righteous judgment is humble. Righteous judgment is loving. Okay? So we don't want to not act like Christians when we're responding to people who aren't acting like Christians. Very, very important. Let me encourage you with this thought when we're dealing with this. And let me say, when I say don't be that person, because once again, it's, it's not gonna deal with your disappointment, it's only gonna deepen it, if you don't take this serious. Remember this, we are all in this together. So let's act like it. When there's a Christian who is acting like a Christian, and you know, maybe you feel like you need to deal with address it, or you see something else, years ago, we went through the Sermon on the Mount, and we got this place of where Jesus talks about judging. You remember moving the plank from your own eye before you look for the speck and all this kind of stuff. Um, wow. You ever have one of those moments where something goes and disappears? There? Oh, I remember it. Okay, so here's the deal. We, um, the way we want to look at life is 
not as judges of each other, but as fellow travelers who sometimes have to make judgments. But we're in this together. And what a difference that changes in my conversation with you if I see us as in this together rather than you're wrong and I'm right. You see that? Big difference. And that's what I see Jesus doing with sinners all the time. The only people that he didn't do that with are people who claim to be the spokespeople for God and use that to hammer people. He was pretty straight with them. Other than that, we're all in this together. All right, so finally, don't be afraid to speak up. <laughs> wait, 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 what do you mean, Walt? Don't be afraid to speak up. First of all, to the one who's not acting like a Christian. Well, I don't have a relationship with anyone. But if God puts you in the path, then maybe God wants you to respond. And he, he wants you to speak the truth how? Say it. In love, he want, but he wants you to speak the truth. And, and you know, it, the nature of your relationship or not relationship is going to affect how you, you might say, hey, look, I don't really know you. And so, you know, maybe there's something going on here I don't understand. I said, but this kind of came across like this, right? Or, but that doesn't seem like the right thing. You know, we just... Can I encourage you to consider that? I mean, see, you're being gracious, but you aren't letting it just slide. Now, remember, when we looked at the gun safety thing, and, and you shoot, it, it's not, it doesn't just hit the people that you shoot, right? And let's forget, I'm saying it in a good way, the people you're talking to, there are other people watching. And so when you confront this issue, not only do you confront this issue of this person who's not acting like a Christian, you're confronting it in a way that looks like a Christian. See the difference? And so it's instructive to a lot of people. And that's what we want to see. So don't be afraid to speak up to the one who's not acting like a Christian. Also, uh, well, let's look. Romans chapter 15. I want to encourage you that you can do this. God says you can do this. Romans 15. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. You are able. Admonish means to gently warn to gently challenge, okay? Uh, he can also says this, go ahead, next one. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. See, there's that attitude, right? We're in this together, okay? Go ahead. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken and he trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Always important, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you get the sense from the scriptures that God thinks we are able to do this? That we are able to speak to the one who we see not acting like a Christian? We are. We may not feel like it, but we are able. Okay, and we ought to be doing it. Now, what if they respond negatively? What if they have no use for you and what you're saying? Well, try again. But well, what if they still don't? Okay, so let's look. We have some instruction on that. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. The idea is you don't have to keep trying to do that. Reach out, do your best to do it. And if someone isn't going to do it, then let them go. All right, so don't be afraid to speak up to the one who's not acting. Secondly, don't be afraid to speak up to those who are being hurt to those who are being hurt. And, and so 
you know, whether it's in person, whether it's online or on the phone, whatever, to say to that person, hey, I am so sorry that such and such happened. You know, Jesus isn't like that. Especially, you know, when you've, you've heard it, and I've, I've heard it from some of you, and some of you are nodding your head big time and said it, and that's that when you're observing something going on that you're worried about these unbelievers and who are seeing this and how is it affecting them, reach out to them. Say, I'm so sorry that this person said this or did that or had that attitude. And Look, I don't, I don't know what's up with them. So you're not throwing them under the bus, but I just, you know, but I want you to know, Jesus isn't like that. What he's like is this. And then share the gospel, right? Share something pertinent to what you're talking about. And if you can do this, being able to speak up is going to free you from being controlled by this whole thing. You can actually do something about it. That's a huge, huge thing that can help your faith survive that disappointment. So you're not alone. Remember that. Uh, God cares. And, and then truth will set you free. Really, it will. And then don't be that person, either the one who's doing the wrong or you're doing wrong as you correct the one who's doing wrong. And then, but don't be afraid to speak up. We need to do that for each other. We need to do that. Um, and last, last thought with that last, last one, don't be afraid to speak up. I know there have been a few times over the years where I have sat down with someone I don't think there's anybody here today who's like, that. might be, but someone who came, sat down and talked about a situation they had been in with Christians, maybe a church and what had happened, all this you know, ugly, ugly stuff, and sit and listen. And I've said, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I know I can't really speak for those people, but let me say to you, uh, on behalf of the body of Christ, I, I'm sorry that that happened to you. You know, we need your forgiveness. And what's interesting is that attitude, that sharing, sometimes the person just, just softens, breaks. And this is what we want because we want them to end up being okay with Jesus. <laughs> right? Okay. So let me say this to you today. If you've been hurt, which we've all been hurt at some level, if you've been hurt, if you're struggling with that, maybe you've actually, you know, questioned your faith because of it, all those kinds of things. Let me, let me say to you what I'm telling you, right? And that's this. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But Jesus isn't like that. Man, people mess up and it's wrong and they shouldn't, but Jesus isn't like that. Let me encourage you to turn to Jesus and let's, in fact, let's talk about him, huh? Because he'll heal your soul. Father, I come to you now and I... I thank you, Father, that you work in our lives, you work in my life, that you cause me sometimes to sense the magnitude of what happens to people. Thank you for that.
And I pray, Father, that we as your people will live like Christians. And I know we're not perfect, Lord, but we would live like Christians. And when we mess up, we would respond like Christians. When we sin, we would respond like Christians. And I pray, Father, we'd help each other with this. And Lord, you said that if by our love for each other, the world would know that we're your followers. And I pray that that's what they would see in us. Even if we, even if we sin and have those problems, Lord, I pray we'll respond such a way with humility and grace and love that the world will be able to see. And by the world, I mean that person that knows me and sees me. That they'll be able to understand and see that we are truly your followers, not perfect, flawed, but sincere and real. We want you to be seen and known through us. Bring us healing, Lord. I pray for anybody here who never received your son as savior or watching Lord I pray that they would do that and if they don't know how I pray they'd reach out and ask for help with it as well as Lord anybody who's hearing this today but there boy they just don't know the pain is so deep they aren't sure I ask for your healing in their lives Lord but I pray as well that they would reach out and let us be your voice to them your hands and your feet and your love to them I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. Um, I'll see you in three Sundays. And Pastor Dave will be back next week.